What is up, Tether Radio listeners? This is Daniel from the Tether Radio podcast coming at you. Uh, I wanted to give a little bit of an introduction for episode 100 of Untethered. It's going to be a multi-part episode, um, and uh, this is this is going to be the first uh, part of it. Uh, Allie took it upon herself to write up a boatload of notes to uh, cover the West Memphis Three. Uh, if you are unfamiliar with that, rock and roll, but I did want to warn everyone, uh, especially this first episode, because we get into the background of it and all, all of that jazz, um, it is not for the faint of heart. Uh, it is, there's some stuff, some subject matter that we cover on Untethered that uh, it, might, uh, it might not sit well with a lot of people. So... Um, yeah, I just wanted to give a little bit of a warning prior to this. Uh, we hope you guys enjoy our presentation of it. And as always, if uh, if you want to drop us a line or anything like that, hit us up at tetherradio at gmail.com. Uh, without further ado, I hope you guys enjoy Untethered number 100, part one for Tether Radio's The West Memphis Three. That was a sip that was very good. You know why that sip was so fucking good? Why was it so good? Because so good? we're about to learn about the West Memphis Three this episode. Should we get it? I believe so. Well, yeah. Daniel. Yes. Before you forget a very important part, mm. why are we doing a special episode today? This um, is what I believe. This is untethered number one hundred. <laughs> Just wanted some some more air horns. Yeah. There you go. There you go. <laughs> and because I have an audience, and I want to learn y'all about some shit. Well, no, and that's the wild thing is yeah. somehow we were actually able to uh, get a studio audience into the small room. That no, no, guys, stop, <laughs> stop, stop, stop. No, no, I know. Please, please, hold, hold your applause till the end. We'll never get through this, folks. <laughs> oh my god. Anyway, yeah, going too ham on the fucking like soundboard. So Man. I'll, I'll go ahead and reel that in. Um, and I will unpat myself on the back that, like, I'm pretty much regurgitating a, a lot of parts of a book to you. Like, I, but, it's so well written and it's so, like, it's so heavily researched. If you looked at how many, like, endnotes and er, endnotes there are, I, like, almost everything in it is cited. Well, the thing is, is Allie, Allie is actually, like, she's covering this because she knows that I'm illiterate. <laughs> And, like, honestly, books are awesome, and I, I've heard there's so much information in them, but, like... This is... I have this on my Audible, so if you ever feel like oh, listening shit. to it... I could, I can do that. You can. I'm, I'm a good mm. listener. And I have so. Damien Eccles' book on there, too, who was, really? like, the main yeah. of the... So it was really good, too. Yeah. Yeah. So, um... So we're just going to jump into this because I am I know the background and all that stuff is yep. going to be covered. So much. Um, but this, I did just want to mention this is most likely going to be a three, four, 
I don't know if who they knows make it, to five parts, it could even be five, but uh, but There's it is so at much. least going to be three. I I wanted to make just one longer untethered, and I was like, I can't do this art like this this story justice in one episode. Yeah, like there's just so many details. Yeah, so. So, so yeah, we just uh, wanted to say uh, thank you, Allie, for putting in the time to, like, research this and uh, put together a presentation and everything for this this special uh, Untethered, yeah. man. So, thank you, and uh, without further ado, man. And I, I hope this is new to a lot of the listeners. Um, I didn't really know about this case till a few years ago, and then I just got heavy into reading about it and learning about it and stuff, so... I've wanted to do this since we've done the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. here we are. Cool. Um, also, last podcast on the left did a really good several part episode about this a few years ago. Uh, they also used the same book, mostly, uh, called Devil's Knot by Mara Leverett. I, it's so, 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 so good. Uh, I didn't know Peter Jackson did a documentary about this. Did you no, know that? Not at all. In 2012. And apparently no. he donated like. 10 million dollars to the defense to try to get them because they the whole thing is they were they were wrongfully convicted yeah and it was pretty commonly known yeah a lot of celebrities got involved like johnny depp and uh george clooney fuck i can't remember who it was it was like some big uh some music dude bon jovi maybe i don't know i don't fucking remember anyway i don't get into that yet sounds like something bono would take interest in I don't think he got involved, but <laughs> just threw out a random name. out But there, it does. You know? It does feel like something he would. But I mean, yeah. we'll get to that eventually. Hmm. So the actual story, uh, there were three eight year old boys that were murdered on Wednesday, May 5th of 1993. So most I know all of us are a little bit younger than that. Mm-hmm. And I assume a lot of our listeners are too. So mm. maybe you didn't, I didn't follow this as a no. seven year old at the time. <laughs> yeah, Thank <exactly>. God. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So West Memphis is uh, in Arkansas. It's just over the border from Memphis, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. It's basically a tiny little city. Yeah. Uh, there's a wooded area there called Robin Hood Hills or all the kids just called it Robin Hood. And it was this popular hangout spot behind this huge truck wash, uh, like right against the backside of like the interstate. Hmm. Uh, there's a lot of like trucks that cross through there because to, it's kind of like how 40 and 75 combined through Knoxville. It's like that through West Arkansas, okay. West Memphis. Yeah. Um, so there's like a lot of truck stops and truck washes and stuff. Mm-hmm. So the woods back there, they surround a diversion ditch that drained rainwater, making this man-made river that at parts was up to 40 feet across and could get up to three and four feet deep. Uh, kids had the bike trails and dirt ramps. Uh, they made forts. They made rope swings. They avoided the area at night because it was fucking creepy. <laughs> it sounds kind of creepy, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially knowing, like some of you especially knowing what happened there in oh, this yeah, story, yeah, too. Definitely. Sure. So it's already risky for kids to play near the highways and around water. And the parents also worried that there might be transients, especially with like so many like truck stops and stuff nearby. Sure. So a lot of parents told their kids not to go there at all, but good luck fucking enforcing that in the yeah. early nineties. So as soon as news spread that these three boys are missing, a lot of parents went straight there. All three boys lived really nearby. Um, I think they were all within about a half mile. Mm. So like ride your bike and stuff, you know? Yeah. So at nine o'clock that night, it's still seventy three degrees outside, even though it's May. God, it's fucking weather well, welcome here. To, yeah, <laughs> welcome to welcome like to what, eastern Arkansas, western 
fucking Tennessee. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Um, there's mosquitoes fucking everywhere. Mm. The officer who took the missing persons report on Christopher Byers and Michael Moore reported that she was looking for them in the woods, but the mosquitoes ran her off. God. If I ever go missing, will y'all please just get some bug spray and look a little <laughs> longer? Like, um, <laughs> damn. And then the officer who took the report on the third missing boy, Stevie Branch, he later said that he also searched for about a half an hour. That was the only police action that night when they were reported missing. So... It seems like you could just wear like one of those beast like things, or and just plus like, they're probably already in long sleeves. I was gonna say it's right? seventy three degrees. Put on pants and long sleeves, and yeah. these are three eight year old boys that are missing. Look a little yeah. harder. So Jeez. the next morning, West Memphis police started a search, and after a few hours without finding them, Memphis, Tennessee, sent a helicopter from their police department to try to help look too. Uh, 1.30 p.m. the next day, an officer found a boy's sneaker missing its lace. He radioed that he had found it, and another sergeant joined him. Sergeant waded into the water, and, like, it's it's just really, like, muddy at the bottom. You remember we yeah. talked about, like, the, like the silt, mud and the... silt yeah. and, like, all that shit. Like, almost yeah. like quicksand, where yeah. it's just so, like, he, yeah. he lifts so, up his foot, and it just, like... Yeah. And then a kid's mm-hmm. naked body floated to the surface. Oh, that's horrible. Oh, so that, was, that just gave me chills. Yeah, Don't this like is that. this is not a happy story. It's interesting, but it is not happy. Yeah. Um, that was the first body they found. That was Michael Moore. And now at this point, they're only letting detectives into the search area. Um, the body was this is this matters, but it's hard to hear. Mm. Um, the body was arched strangely and kind of hogtied, but it was left ankle to left wrist and right ankle to right wrist. So he was still exposed from both the front and the back. Uh, Yeah. And that and him being naked suggested something sexual about the crime right away. Yeah. Yeah. Um, This is a quote from the book. It said, the severity of the wounds to his head suggested a component of rage. These poor kids are eight years old, man. Like beat so hard in the head that you could tell it was like a rage thing. uh, God. Yeah. So they started finding items of clothing one by one. Um, they ended up finding all the clothing except for a pair of socks and two pairs of the underwear. Um, Stevie Branch was found next. He was tied and naked, same way. Mm-hmm. His body also so- showed signs that he had been beaten, and his face had deep wounds that looked like possible bites. Jeez. Yeah. Christopher Byers was found last, tied in the same way and naked. This is hard. This is this part's rough. It gets it gets lighter. It gets a little lighter. Uh, they also saw that his scrotum was gone and his penis had been skinned, so there was just a thin flap of flesh left, and the area around the what they call a castration was covered in deep stab wounds. What the fuck? Damn. Yep. So by now it's three o'clock. Now that they found all three bodies, somebody finally decides to call the coroner. Fucking two hours after finding the first body. I Fine. might. I'm, what, I'm what not gonna lie. Like, I might record something prior to this, then just be like, "Hey guys, this is gonna be yeah. like pretty." Because <sighs> yeah. I don't say I, I don't remember. I'm gonna make a note. Okay. Okay. And I'll record a little something yeah. to just like, yeah. hey, just letting you know this is you know got some kind of medical gold star, awful gold star stuff yeah. there. Um. Yeah. So by now it's three o'clock. Someone finally fucking calls the coroner. He gets there. He pronounces them dead at four o'clock. The bodies are already starting to attract insects because remember it's May. Yeah, you know, and it's afternoon in May now. Well, it's fucking. It's well. 
I, the only thing I can compare it to is Memphis because I lived there for a yeah. year and like literally moved in with 105 heat index kind of thing. I always so end up moving in the like, middle of the heat every yeah, time I move. It was July, like yes. fucking like 20 something. And like, yeah, you literally had to chew air to breathe yes. it kind of thing. And like, anyway. So, um, Detective Gary Gitchell of the West Memphis Police was leading this investigation. A crowd starts to appear. Gitchell gently told Terry Hobbs, who was Stevie Branch's stepdad, that the bodies had been found and had clearly been murdered. Hobbs collapsed, crying. His wife, Pam Hobbs, Stevie's mother, fainted. Mark Byers, the the father of the son who had the most damage, he was different. He just mentioned that he had searched the area the last night and he was within 10 to 15 feet of where the boys were found and he didn't even see them. Are you not grieving or anything? Like, I'm. This is your reaction to, like, they just found your son's murdered body? Jesus, dude. This guy's weird from the start. Yeah. But at the time, this didn't seem odd to anybody. But then he told a reporter one of the boys had been hit above the eye and one's jaw was injured and the third child was even worse. Where'd he get this? He said the detectives told him. This quick? This quick? What? And and plus, why? Why are you telling the reporters? Well, not only that, but I. Do you think? uh, And maybe they would, but do you think detectives would tell like what kind of injuries to? You know, I wouldn't think so. Right? No, not if, not to a crime. No, to, they to want to eliminate suspects, all this. Uh, yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. They're not going to leak that information. Exa- I wouldn't, I wouldn't well, no, no, no. think hang so. Hang on, hang on. Wouldn't think so, but I'm not going to lie. But wait till you hear what a mess this whole fucking investigation is. Yeah. The oh, whole great. thing. The whole, the whole thing. Ugh. So Gitchell told the reporters who showed up that he just had nothing more to say. Reporters for one paper, the Memphis Commercial Appeal, heard some details on their police scanner that night, and they included those details on the front page of the fucking paper the next day. So the paper Mm. detailed how the boys were tied and said, wrongly, that all three were sexually mutilated. This is a shit show from the very beginning. From already, man. So Gitchell's trying to keep this out of the news so that questioning suspects would be easier. Mm -hmm. Not easier, but you know what I mean? Like, well, yeah, so well, that they it would don't be a little bit, these... it would be easier to like kind of say, okay, does this person know more than they should? Yes. Kind of exactly. shit, right? Exactly. So that's, a, I, I couldn't think of a way to really say like easier, say you know, you know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? I totally do. So he was furious when he saw that shit printed the next morning. He immediately didn't trust Arkansas, Arkansas state police because mm. they were who broadcasted all that on their fucking radios. Yeah. Who everybody knows the reporters are listening to. Absolutely. So he hardly allowed state police to assist without with the entire investigation, likely because of this initial whole thing. Yeah. Which makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, reporters started approaching the parents, and Mark fucking Byers was the most willing to talk still. And he just kept talking. He just kept talking to all these reporters. So Mother's Day was that weekend, and then by Monday, May the 10th, Gitchell was reassuring citizens they're definitely going to solve this case. Did you say Mark Byers was a stepdad? Mark Byers was a stepdad, but he adopted Chris Byers when he was younger. There's a lot of that in here. Like a lot of people's stepdads. There's a lot of stepdads. It's not. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things that I'm, I'm trying to make sense of this shit. Yeah. I still think that even if you were involved with a child and like, you're not their fucking parent or whatever, 
it is a fucking child. Yeah. Like, are you human or not? Yeah. That's kind of the question that yeah. comes to mind. But anyway. And there's like several different people in here that they kept referring to a stepdad, but they had adopted the kid when the kid was younger. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. But they that still always call him stepdad. Yeah. I don't know. Huh. Um, so Gitchell made the statement uh, like publicly that this could have been gang or cult activity, but he hadn't seen any evidence of either. Then why are you saying it? What are you doing? God, dude, Here we welcome fucking to go. the fucking media. Welcome to the it's, satanic panic. Well, but it's, but it's also one of these Gitchell's things. the investigator, dude. But but the wild thing is, is like they literally make comments and then they're like, we don't have any evidence for yeah. this, but like it could be that. And, and it's then like, they're all going to run with it. Yeah. And, and everybody runs with this it. This is yeah. the early 90s. Yeah. In the South, in the fucking Bible Belt. Yeah. So like you say Satan and it's sticking. Like, everybody's thinking it's satanic. Everybody's thinking it's, like, all the witchcraft and stuff. Mm. So, then within hours of the bodies being found, rumors attributing the murders murders to Satanism started. Two women reported sounds of devil worshipping in those woods. What does it sound like? The fucking Salem witch trials, to be honest with you, because it's like, oh my God, yeah, you're right. She looked at me weird, and then I got up the next day, and I had a crick in my back. I know she did it. She She did it. She she sent a hate to my house. But then the West Memphis Police Department assigned the case number 93, the year, dash 05, the month, dash 0666 to the murder file. What? And reporters ask if that suggested a police theory on the crimes, which of course they're going to ask. Yeah. Gitchell said, no, 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 no. The last four digits of the case file just coincides with how many cases we've had like in order over the year. So this just happened to be the 666th case. But then fucking years later, it comes out in a report written by Detective Ridge, dated two days after the bodies were found, yeah. that it actually should have been case 95, 93-05-0555. So you just making shit up to tell, like, to make it. Yeah. All right. Just falling into the narrative. Yeah. Absolutely. Just just wants to feed. No, absolutely, dude. Um, Last podcast mentioned, they're basically like, it seemed like a lot of the authorities in this were trying really hard to look like they did a great job on this case to try to get promotions. And I agree with that. I think I think would, that probably had a lot. Would to do with this it. be considered like confirmation bias? That it's like I hey, would think so. Hey, like we think this. So now what we're going to do is we're going to create this yeah. like all these details and stuff that totally support what we think happened, yeah. even though it's. We should be going about this the entire opposite way. Right? Like, like gathering evidence and then coming to conclusions yeah. kind of shit. Yeah. Like, if you had yeah, evidence for it, okay. But, yeah. like, there's no, there's nothing to actually point to, like, yeah. satanic ritual abuse here. Yeah. It's it's like, uh, well, I, I, okay. This is how I'm kind of putting it together in my head. It's kind of like nowadays taking a crime and then releasing it to the internet and saying, you figure this out. Yeah. And we'll go with that. Kind yeah. of, yeah. Uh, they they sort of did kind of crowdsource it, yeah. yeah. No. So, state police and West Memphis Police slash Crittenden County Sheriff's Office all had a lot of tension. Um, there'd been a lot of like corruption. In, in between them? Yeah, between state okay. versus uh, county and city. Gotcha. Um, there'd been a whole lot of corruption and drug charges with the West Memphis Police, mm-hmm. and then the state police had come to question members of their force. And one of the people who might have understood this situation was one of the victim's stepfathers, John Mark Byers. Byers was a mm. weird dude. Have I implied that yet? 
Oh yeah. my God, dude. <laughs> Byers, uh, the book described him as, quote, a pawnbroker, a jeweler by trade, a drug dealer, a friend of police, and a confidential informant for the Crittenden County Drug Task Force. There it is. <laughs> so we've got all that, okay? Well, um, he, he likes to create the problem and the solution. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, let me tell you who I sold drugs to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, and that task force was a combination Fuck. of the West Memphis City Police Department and the Crittenden County Sheriff's Office mixed. Gotcha. Um, the day after the bodies were found, Byers praised West Memphis Police Department for their efforts and complained about the Crittenden County Sheriff's Office delayed response. Can can anyone in this story keep their fucking mouth shut? <laughs> No. Yeah, I was going to no. say, yeah, say no. would no. you like an answer? It's okay, no. it's rhetorical. Specifically, <laughs> specifically, John Mark Byers and Damien Eccles cannot ever shut, ever shut the fuck up. Yeah. Um, Byers had a murky criminal history, and this went on and on in the book. I tried to summarize it. <laughs> yeah. He had a conviction for felony assault on his ex-wife. Um, She knew that he would get violent, and she videoed it. So, like. Okay. They had him, you know. Yeah, cut and dry. Uh, yeah, cut and dry. I mean, red-handed. Yeah. That was expunged. That, that like, no, you're not a felon anymore. Like, when you sign up for something that asks if you're a felon, you can put no, legally, because you're not anymore. Um, and he what? didn't even follow his probation requirements. Like, yeah. Anytime he got apprehended by police, his charges just seemed to go away. In December of 92, so six months before these murders... He had a fraud charge where UPS set a package containing two Rolexes worth 11 grand, which is a lot now. It was a whole lot in 92. Yeah. Had been delivered to his house, but Byers said he never received it. West Memphis Police Department, surprise, didn't make any progress on this case. So UPS went to state police, who were still investigating it when these murders happened in May. Jeez, dude. So, like, he's, like, always in trouble, but it always goes away. Um... And he huh. had, like, a history of, like, assault charges and stuff. And yeah. the police just never mentioned it. It was really weird. God, that's... Yeah. Weird is one word for it. Yep. Convenient. <laughs> Convenient. There's a lot of... Yeah. yeah. Um, the coroner, like I said earlier, the coroner wasn't called until two hours after the body, the first body was found. Mm -hmm. The water in the ditch was 60 is degrees. Is that normal or not normal? No, I think you basically call a coroner as soon as you find a body. A as, body and especially, identify yeah, yeah. Especially in warm weather... Thing. Oh, that would make sense. You know? That would make sense, yeah. Um, and the water in the ditch was 60 degrees, but open air was in the high 80s. Yeah. The bodies started deteriorating quickly once removed from the water. The extent of the rigor mortis was hard to assess because of how they had been tied. Mm -hmm. And the coroner said Michael and Christopher both showed signs that they may have been sexually assaulted. Mm -hmm. um, detectives were stunned at the lack of blood at the scene. Like the can lack you give of... Me, can you give me the three kids names first names yeah Sorry. um i linked to the wiki article okay. and they're they're on that easier okay. than me like spelling them and gotcha, everything gotcha, for you gotcha okay i'll just uh, <laughs> yeah sorry i just it, no, it's easier good. for me to like me 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 you know just yeah. have some like teeny notes going yeah that's so. that's why i linked the wiki article is so because i like to know how shit's spelled and stuff when yeah. i'm thinking yeah about okay it. cool um so detectives were like how was there hardly any blood at the scene which again they're found in the water so i don't like i don't know i don't know i could i could take it or leave it with the blood part mm -hmm. um 
There was just terrible record keeping by all the authorities. There was one police document that said twice that more, not buyers, had been castrated. So they got the victim wrong in their police report. Um, another part of the same report seemed to imply that the boys were murdered somewhere else and then brought to the location that their bodies were found. It said there's a possibility that buyers may have been injected by a hypodermic needle, but then they didn't give any explanation for why they might think that. It also said that the victims had evidence that they had been struck with a belt containing studs or a raised surface. That it just sounds like they're they're thinking out loud here. Yeah, it's like stream of consciousness. Kind yeah, of shit. yeah. yeah. Man. Um, the belt thing might have been a reference to Mark Byers, who had told the police when he reported Christopher missing that he had given him a few licks with the belt just before he left. But detectives didn't seem interested in question Byers at this point, and they didn't do it for two fucking weeks. Jeez, dude. two weeks. Okay, so now we're going to get into some of the tips and the leads and stuff that they got. So somebody suggested that the way the boys were tied was like the way some American soldiers had been tied when captured in Vietnam. So police started checking hospitals for reports of vets who had been treated for injuries to their penises. Guys, what? we're grasping at straws this early? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, they asked area carpet cleaners if they had cleaned up blood stains. They investigated a man who had once been arrested per- for performing surgical sex change operations without a medical license. Like, I get what Wait. you're going with here, but like, what? what? That's not what this... That's, not at all. No. So, oh, so is that normal protocol to hog tie hey, someone have, before you do the procedure? Well, this guy's clearly a sex pest, so we're gonna check it out. I, I, I have an idea. Let's um, let's go towards the low hanging fruit first, uh-huh. and uh-huh. maybe we can close this up and just move on with our day. Well, it says right here this God. guy's a weirdo, so I'm gonna look into him. Yeah. So they made lists of descriptions of vagrants, strangers, mental patients, loiterers, and hobos. They identified a man who had made vulgar remarks to two young girls and a guy who had drilled holes in his apartment wall to spy on neighbors. Again, we're just what? looking at anybody that we think what? is a pervert. Or just, like, weird? Yep. Like, who had drilled holes in his apartment wall to spy on neighbors so you're going feel to feel like that's a little different you're gonna jump from that yeah. to yeah. fucking killing and yeah. potentially sexually assaulting right kids right what so they looked at guys who were rumored to have tortured and killed animals or who had been known to say that they had murder fantasies or were rumored to be into child born. We also looked into people that wet the bed. Right. We came up we with also, lots of kids as like, so you know, what man? is happening? The year is 2023 and we're looking at Reddit. Yeah. Right now yeah. To see who has uh, posted about this <laughs> in the past. So as this news spread, they got all these tips from police across the U S about hundreds of cases they thought might be related. So imagine you've already got all these crazy tips to follow, and then you've got other police departments calling, which you're going to respect their ideas and their, you know. So yeah. then you've got to try to see if you're... The police are fucking overwhelmed. Yeah, no, you know? I, I mean, I can only imagine. Yeah. They're also yeah. doing a shitty job, but they are also overwhelmed. Yeah. yeah. Um, on Wednesday, May 12th, well, six... So real yeah, quick, yeah, yeah. This, this is the thing that's like... I feel like situations like this that... I mean, these guys... 
these guys are probably used to like dealing with like fucking vagrants or like fucking like high school kids that are drinking underage. Like you had or to whatever. answer to a bar fight call. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Not and this. So, so and and it's not that they get a buy, but yeah. it's like God. It seems like there should be like an escalation of like, hey. This is like probably out of your fucking wheelhouse. Yeah. Like, like this one looks pretty uh, serious. Maybe let yeah. some other departments help. Yeah. Yeah. Or at least, I'm sorry. Seems like that to me. Right. <laughs> so. so six days after the bodies were found, presumably seven days after the murder. Yeah. They sprayed luminol around the area by the ditch. I don't know what luminol is. Yeah, you do. It's the spray stuff that then with the black light, you can see where like blood or oh, whatever okay, has been. Gotcha. Gotcha. They didn't really find anything. They it's been the- seven days in it- May outside. Yeah, I mean, dude. If, Why'd if you even not- waste your luminol? Yeah, if it's... Why, why didn't you do this to begin with? Why did yes. it take three hours to call the coroner? Yes. Why, like, there are a lot of whys There's so in many this. Whys. Plus, they yeah. visually said that there was a lack of blood. Yeah. So, right. I mean, it's like, okay... Did you think someone brought a hose out here to the woods and sprayed it off? Yeah. I'm- what? What is happening? Wait, why are we better police? Right. Okay, well, we are true crime nerds. Yeah, true. So a narcotics detective in Memphis, Tennessee, let West Memphis police know that both of the buyer's parents had been confidential informants for both the Memphis, Tennessee police and the Shelby County's uh, sheriff's office. So this could suggest that the mother and stepfather of the most brutalized child were involved with criminal activity. And again, their kid was the most mutilated of the three. But West Memphis police either didn't follow up on this lead or just didn't enter a record of doing so. Guys? What? Guys? (laughs) The thing that might make the most sense? Makes some sense to me. The medical medical examiner's office wasn't a whole lot of help to Gitchell uh, after he didn't get the reports back for weeks. So they they did the exams on the bodies the day after they found the bodies. Gitchell's like, what is taking so I think it was like May 26th. Yeah, it was three weeks later and he was sending them letters being like, hey, um, with all due respect, what the fuck? Like, so is right. Gitchell actually like Gitchell's the lead inspector. Gator, Gitchell's um, was he actually like seemingly doing a decent somewhat decent job? Or better, I don't know. Better than some other people. <laughs> or that it was just like, he was like finding all these fucking uh, hurdles that it's he like... He had a lot of hurdles, but he also know. fucked up a lot, too. Oh, okay. I think gotcha. everybody fucked up, but I, yeah. I think if anybody was one of the better ones, it was Gitchell. Gotcha. Like, d- d- trying. Sure, you know? sure. Um, so, an analyst at the crime lab examined the shoelaces. The, the shoelaces from the boys' shoes were what was used to tie them. Oh, okay. Um... An, an analyst at the crime lab examined those shoelaces because they still didn't have the autopsy reports yeah. back. She found that the knots used on Christopher and Michael were all the same, but those on Stevie were all dissimilar to each other and to the other two, which to me sounds like probably one person tied all the knots on those two boys. Yeah. And then a third or, or a second or even a couple people tied the knots on the other boy and the knots that's on weird. him didn't match up. Isn't that weird to have yeah. different It so seems like it. I would I would think there'd probably only be like two or three knots, right? Cause you're well no, never mind. Cause you're having to tie it around and then you're Yeah. Sorry, I'm trying to think through this. I know this is like fucking grizzly. But no, like, I know. Well, you're at least you're trying to visualize it in your you head. A, yeah. You've at least got two separate ties on each of them because you've got left, left, right, right. Yeah. On each boy. 
Yeah. So. I mean, so you're looking at like four to six knots that are all different kind of thing. Yeah. Right. On the one kid. Yeah. I mean, that's. Which would lead you to believe that, I don't know, maybe it's more than one person. I, I would. Yeah. I would think. Plus, I would. That's just weird to have, like, you would at least think there would be multiple of the same. Yeah. Like, if one other person tied up the yeah. third boy, those would, I don't know. I don't know. That's, so just, that was, that's really weird yeah. to me. Yeah. But anyway. Um, she also said there was skin in one of the ligatures, li- likely not from the boys. So as if, like, the person tying it perhaps, like, got some of their own skin, which makes sure. sense. Yeah. And uh, she reported a fragment of negroid hair found in the sheet that was wrapped around Christopher's body. So, like, they wouldn't have had, like, the DNA run on it or anything. It's 93. But um, they can tell, like, types of hair and stuff. Sure, sure. Yeah. 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 So, um, some more stuff about buyers. So a tip came from a woman who had a child at the same elementary school. She called the police department soon after the bodies were found to say that she had info on the buyers. Mm -hmm. She was interviewed and she said near the end of 92. So about six months before the murders, she was at a parent teacher event at the school and she overheard the principal tell the buyers, mom and dad that Chris had to be put out of class that day for causing a disturbance. The buyers replied that they had done all they could do and thought they would send Chris away. He's like seven at the time, dude. Like, yeah. what? Um, after the principal left. So you mean to tell me. <laughs> you can, you sorry, can ship you your kid off. <laughs> you mean to tell me that you're going to ship your kid off for a seven-year-old acting like a seven-year-old. Right? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Larry. <laughs> so uh, after the principal left, the woman heard the couple discuss needing to, quote, get rid of Chris. Which, again, could mean shipping him sure, off. Sure, sure. But in light of this, doesn't sound great. Yeah. So the police contacted that principal. The principal didn't recall the conversation. So they just called it. Of course They not. just didn't do anything else about that. Well, you don't, you don't remember? I believe you. Okay, so cool. it, make, it makes sense now that literally fucking everything is either recorded or immediately documented like after conversations are had kind of shit but back Especially then they had a- tape recorders and they oh, just yeah. weren't recording I things mean, dude i would lived in granger county in this time and yeah. like we had parents like spanking kids with like paddles oh, at yeah. school in front of the class yeah, yeah. like it well, was more like 1950s but like, i just mean America. more like the police doing sure, their, sure, like, sure, sure. Yeah. 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 If, and that's, that's what I was going to uh, talk about is that, sure, we can go into rabbit holes about this, but if you are doing an official investigation, you need to have records to go back on, not just written records, but if you have the technology and capability of recording, hey, use it because you're, go- you're going to need it at some point in time. Especially that, dude, important, co- like, yeah, when you're this, this seems like yeah. this is probably the biggest fucking thing that these guys had to deal with. Absolutely. Probably, probably in their career, yeah. at least leading up to this, yeah. you know? So, like like I had mentioned, May 26th, Gitchell had still not gotten those autopsy reports. He typed this letter asking all sorts of stuff. The medical examiner had just mentioned finding urine in two of the boys' stomachs. He asked them about that, and then just all the things that would be answered in the reports. Like, who died first? What were the causes of death? What were the times of death? Had this or that happened? Like, please respond. Please give me these answers. The urine thing's weird. I don't, we're not into that yet. I don't know. But we know get yet. into mm. it more? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because that is super fucking it's weird. It's very weird. It's very weird. So, huh. 
Okay. Now we're going to get into the suspects. Okay. Jerry fucking Driver. Jerry Driver was the county's main juvenile. His middle name was fucking? No, he wasn't half that cool. Uh, okay. <laughs> also, I keep thinking Jerry. Sorry, and once again, everyone, I know this is, this is fucking trying. like super heavy shit. If I it, I yeah. can either laugh or I can cry, and uh, you don't well, want to hear me boohoo. On dude's this, name is Jerry so. Driver, and I every time I saw it, I kept turning into Primus and being like, Jerry was a race car driver, and I'm like, he does not deserve this cool of a name. No, God. he was he was great at uh, taking people from one place to the other, and. <laughs> Taking golf balls from one place to oh, another. Hell. There you go. <laughs> I also had a when I was in school at in elementary school, I had a bus driver and his name was Jerry. So like I like I kept pit- he was anyway. Jerry driver. And he Not was, you, Jerry. He was the worst. No. He was so I was like, why do oh, you do this? Yes, you hate you, children. <laughs> He's like, that's why I do it. Oh yeah. <laughs> that's how he gets his fucking rush. He's seriously. <laughs> every, He's like every I'll either one of these beat days. you or eat you. <laughs> one of the two. He was also a very large man, so that's oh. right. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, okay, so yeah. Jerry Driver in this story uh, was the county's main juvenile probation officer at the time of the murders. He already had his eye on this kid named Damian Eccles, who was his first thought when the murders occurred. So, Driver, I don't like saying, like, oh, this, this cop has a hard on for this one, like, but metaphorically, this cop had a hard on for Damian Eccles. Like, yeah. to, well, I mean, that, that literal sentence. Yeah. I mean, it's like, okay, I'm sorry. You're going to jump to yeah. one person knowing nothing other than the past of that one kid. Yeah. Like, kind of thing. It's like, does he have any connection with these kids? Exactly. Does he have, I mean, it's like, come on. Exactly. So. And wasn't, yeah. sorry, uh, I'm, I may be jumping to the very end, but I believe Damien Eccles was the person that received, like, the heaviest. He got he uh, he got the death yeah. penalty. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. He was he was definitely thought to be like he was he was made out to be yeah. the the ringleader of. But we'll get to that. We will get to that. And and again uh, again uh, like I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm sorry for like jumping yeah. ahead. But if if you have not heard of this, uh, I'm sorry. No spoilers. No, well, dude. I no, was, there's I was, so much. I was, more. I was gonna say, go ahead. Yeah. I will spoil it. Uh, they served, I think, 18 years in prison, and they finally all three. Didn't quite get exonerated, but they took Alfred, please. And that's the whole thing I'll get into. And it's weird, but we'll get mm-hmm. there. But not today. We won't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> Probably three weeks from now. <laughs> so driver first focused on Damien a year before the murders. So the mother of Damien's ex-girlfriend, Deanna, called the police to report that he was harassing the girl and her male friend. Deanna said Damien threatened to kill the friend and her and burn the house down. Jeez. Uh, Driver later said that the family told him Damien was trying to get Deanna into black magic and other things. At the time, Damien was 17 and Deanna was 15. Um, Damien lived in a really poor trailer park, and all three suspects lived in trailer parks in one of the poorest neighborhoods in one of the 10 poorest counties in our entire country. Wow. Mm. So, like... Poor does not cover it. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, th- these kids are destitute, you know? Again, th- that just feeds into the narrative of, like, I fit into this margin. I'm never going to outgrow this margin. Might as well like they're, be this type They're of already job. feeling kind of defeated and, like, you know. They're a product of their environment is what yeah. I'm trying yeah. to say. Yeah, yeah. And they're all 17 and 18, so they're all mm. already kind of edgelords and kind of just saying stuff to yeah. sound, like, 
And of course they're thinking, well, I didn't do this. I didn't have anything to do with this. So like, what if I'm smart ass to the police? Nope. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. Uh, and they were also uh, not like super. We'll okay. get to that. We'll Got get to it. that. Yeah. All right. Cool. Um. So no, I don't want to because I, I was <laughs> yeah, like, no, yeah, things yeah. are like slowly. You're yeah. jogging my memory. You'll remember at this parts point. of it. Okay. Yeah. Because I, yeah, I for, was for like, people that one of them yeah. very much wasn't. Um, yeah. Yeah. That it was and then, uh, like people people that are listening. Like we are being kind of reminded of from hearing this before yeah. Yeah. or looking into it before. Yeah. But if if it's your first time hearing about it. We're sorry. And, but, sorry. but I will, <laughs> I will to get to, <laughs> to the best yeah. that I can to really all the details sure, of it. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah, yeah. um, just probably out of a little bit of the order that you guys are remembering things. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. <laughs> I'm glad you remember parts of it. Uh, so, so Damien lives in a small two bedroom trailer with his sister, mother, grandmother, and stepfather. So, this is five people in a, in a two, two bedroom, bedroom, and they describe mm-hmm. the trailer itself as small. They said the family had a really tense situation. A mental health worker had visited the family and said that the family's problems were severe and that both Damien and his sister, Michelle, needed help. I'm I'm imagining for the listeners out there, I'm imagining the trailer that the dude uh, from Kill Bill lived in kind of thing that it was just like you got like that the master in quotation marks on like one end of right. it kind of thing. Yeah. And then you've got this yeah. small closet that somehow fun- like a bedroom, a bedroom would not be larger than uh larger than a hundred square feet. Probably. I dude, I think a oh, hundred square feet would be liberal. Man. Yeah. 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 I but, mean, we have probably all been in RVs that are larger than what than this, this trailer was, yeah. you know? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Just, oh man, that's <sighs> wild. And again, just because they're saying like, Hey, your kids need help with fucking what money, dude? Yeah. Like with what money? Yeah. Like I I can't remember who one of them was renting the trailer they lived in, didn't didn't even own like I mean, yeah. it's destitute. Well, I mean, like you said, yeah. we're talking about the uh poorest of the poor. The poorest of the poor yeah. in the, the states, man. Yeah. So yeah. So a month after that first incident, um, with the with the girlfriend's mom, Deanna's mom called the police again to say that Damien was seeing Deanna again. Okay. What are you calling Okay. Six yeah. nights after that, Deanna's mom called the police again to report that Deanna had run away. Officers found the two of them both partially nude from the waist down. Were Winnie the Pooh in it? Just, <laughs> and in a, oh, in a vacant mobile home. Um, they had said they were going to, like, they plan on running away. because well, like, Oh, so they took their pants off to run faster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. It makes me run faster. <laughs> Aerodynamics. <laughs> you got to have a, a way to distract the people that are chasing you. For anybody out there that has seen uh, uh, fucking Orange County. Um, oh, it's been so long. It's like that scene from uh, from Orange County when Jack Black is being interviewed by uh, fucking Ben Stiller the when he's doing the cameo as the firefighter. And he's like... So, uh, what's your name? It's like Joe, Joe Johnson. <laughs> and he's like, look at this straight. Your name's Joe Johnson. It's like, excuse me, Mr. Johnson, where's your pants? I took them off to run faster. Oh my God. <laughs> oh <Anyways>. my God. <laughs> well, so, um, they had planned on, they, they said later they had planned on running away and mm. that it was storming really bad. And they just went in this uninhabited mobile home just to like wait out the storm before they ran away. 
Gotcha. Um, Damien's friend, Pantless, <laughs> of course. <laughs> Damien's friend, Jason Baldwin, was with them. Uh, the police charged the couple with burglary, even though nothing had been stolen. Um, I think you can still. That be breaking and entering. Yeah, if you break it's something, something yeah. in that, yeah, uh, I don't okay. know. And um, sexual misconduct, and he took them both to county county jail, and he notified driver. Mm. Which okay at the at the time, Damien seventeen and uh, driver Forma- drivers the head juvenile dude, kind of yeah. yeah. So somebody from the juvenile office went to the Eccles's trailer asking to search Damien's room, and his mom gave permission. The officer left with notebooks of Damien's writings and drawings. Driver considered these proof that Damien was beginning an interest in the occult. And I, sh- I just threw a note in here. Don't do this. Don't ever do this. The police are not your friends. Tell them to come back with a warrant. Don't talk to the fucking police. Dude, there was an interview with, uh, God, it was somebody that was like fucking like, like higher up in regards to, um, fucking police or justice department or right. whatever. And they were like, dude, the police are your friend. Like, no. don't talk to them. Like, no. seriously, like they, they no. Uh-uh. just, just stop. Uh-uh. Just stop. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I will, I will say I get it if you're on the victim side, but like, if you're, I'm sorry, if you're it's not, not, it's not the police aren't, yeah, it's not the police aren't your friend, but if, if they come to you and you know that you have nothing to do with it, yeah, then don't give them, talk to them, give them nothing to go on. Yeah. That is what I'm saying. And don't, I'm not saying that they're yeah. not your fucking friend. They're like, not. Whatever. They're not your friend, though. Yeah, I'm don't, saying don't, that. Well, don't feed into it. Now. <laughs> well, like, don't feed into it, especially coming out of a satanic panic. You know what I'm saying? Like most of those, most of those cops probably lived through the satanic panic. This, we're we're in it. We're we're oh, in it. it. We're in '93. So, yeah. The the only thing that I was saying is it's like, okay, your house is broken into. The police come to, like, do a report. It's, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. don't talk to her. You know what I'm saying? That's what I'm saying. Like, like if you're the victim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay, agreed. Um, So Deanna, the girlfriend, was released to her parents, but Damien was ordered held in a juvenile detention center. How come? Why? Why? Because driver has a hard on for him. Uh, he was well-behaved and respectful, according to the center's records, but rumors started spreading that he and Deanna were planning to conceive a child, and then when it was born, they were going to sacrifice it in a satanic ritual. So that seems like a stretch. Do you think? Just, Driver, just, Driver did not nah, think it was, so he honestly, promptly went and got Damien and took him to a psych ward. Hang on. Let me ask the Monstars back here for this Space Jam fucking stretch that's right. happening. <laughs> <laughs> Damien told Driver that he was Wiccan and worshipped goddesses. The horror. <laughs> oh, no. Huh, oh, no. God. Driver described him as looking like a slasher movie type guy. Um, so, uh, how about this? What the fuck does that mean? Goth. 90s emo goth. 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 Right? Yeah. yeah. What's yeah. the difference? Is there a lot of difference? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Goth is more like your Marilyn Manson fans okay. and your Judas Priest fans and stuff like that. Like more like heavy metal, death metal stuff. Okay. Um, uh, uh, I would... I I no, knew that, that's that's a metalhead. I, I knew there goth, was going to be some ant fucking on that. Goth is going to be more like, more like the cure... Uh, sure. I feel like that would like be emo. Trans, be emo, trans, Chris Goth. Really? Goth is his own thing, dude. Yeah, yeah Goth is wow. his own thing. Well, you'd be surprised but at the yeah, shit that the, they described. On Ali's on Ali's point, yes, there it, uh, there there is some crossover. Yeah. Uh, okay, um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, driver said that Damien and other teens were being drawn towards Satan, 
And uh, yeah, some kids are using devil worship as an excuse to drink and have sex or just, you know, kind of doing a bit. But Damien seems more serious about it. Why are you so obsessed <laughs> this with guy. me? This guy, yes. I know he's the real yeah. deal. He is the real yeah. deal. So by the late 80s, satanic and occult topics were being discussed everywhere. Specialists in this new field of satanic ritual abuse warned that teens starting out with Ouija boards or what? reading books about magic. Whoa, did you say no. reading? I have like magic shit on my <laughs> t-shirt kidding. tonight. And I didn't plan this. Like, it's just like... like God. A comical Be gone t-shirt. with you, witch. Not palmistry. <laughs> so um, they could be drawn into rites involving dangerous symbols and from there into vandalism, animal mutilation, ritualistic abuse of children, suicide, and even murder. Think about the children. So the FBI was even looking into this satanic stuff by 1991. Yep. And the FBI came out and they were like, uh, there's actually hardly any crime associated with Satanism. Calm the fuck down. Did anyone calm yeah. the fuck down? No. No. No, it's the South. We're going to freak the fuck yeah. out. They so. just yeah. really didn't understand an edgelord. You know, like uh, they're no. just they're just like, oh, my God, there's graffiti of pentagrams under this bridge, which means that there's rituals being done. Well, I, I would liken this shit to like everybody like fucking drawing like anarchy symbols and shit. And it was just because it was some eighth graders found a fucking can of like red spray paint. I, you know? I wrote my name with the anarchy a through all of high school, yeah, like on my course. papers I turned in. I think my brother did a lot of that. You yeah. know, I just I, I don't me. Know. A straight A student with the anarchy A on my name. Like. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> get at the get get at organizations and the man. <laughs> yeah, <Allie>. go. <laughs> but, but only you if they're cool girl. with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So psychiatrist that met with Damien. Real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we might have to start like putting I'll a bow on uh, this bad boy. So, but but find find the point that yeah. you feel comfortable with and go to that. So. I'll wrap it up in a little bit. Yeah, no, wor- no worries. I was just, I, I was just giving you a yeah, yeah, time yeah. count. Yeah, I was thing. looking. I was like, oh, man, we're already past time. <laughs> um, psychiatrists that met Damien were not worried. They said that he was interested in witchcraft, but not Satanism. They noted that he had a crude, rudimentary, self-inflicted tattoo of a scientific symbol representing the female sex on his upper left what? arm. I have that on my leg. Wait, is that not literally just the... What the thing? The with little the, circle with the yeah, cross with the on it? Yeah. yeah, or the cross. Yeah. Or, yeah. I have one of those. Watch fucking out. <laughs> no! <laughs> Honestly, this podcast is canceled. Man. <laughs> um, also, I paused and Googled right here to look for that specific tattoo, but at this point, Damien Eccles is covered in tattoos. Like, they're very well done. Yeah. Um, but, fun fact the Hellfire Club storyline of season, season four of Stranger Things. Did yeah. y'all watch that? Yes. No. Did you see, you truly saw memes and stuff of the Hellfire Club and like, you've seen a million people wearing that shirt. Yeah, yeah. probably. Um, it's a fun shirt. I, I like the shirt. Yeah. Um, that whole storyline was loosely based on the West Memphis Three. Did Eddie Munson was based on Damien. Really? Yeah. That's funny. It's pretty interesting. And it's, it makes a lot of fucking sense. It does. Like you said, edge Lord that was just accused just like, of something Look at me, really. I'm the devil. It's yeah. like, no, you're just making horns in a picture. Yeah. You know? And then he gets the fucking book 
well, not well. Sure. Yeah, kind of. Sure. And that it's like, oh, it's because of him. See, it's because of that dude. See, yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Gnarly. I thought that was a cool little thing to throw. Yeah, in. that's interesting. Um, they just diagnosed him with depression. The hospital kept him for three weeks, and then they released him. They prescribed him a medicine called imipramine. Am I saying that right? Yeah, imipramine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is just an antidepressant. Yeah. Um, he was no longer considered a danger to himself or others. His mother moved her two kids to Aloha, Oregon. What a fucking Aloha, Oregon. That's so weird. Yeah. <laughs> it's as close to Hawaii as you're going to get in the lower 48. <laughs> well, Shit. That Brutal, is, dude. That is 2,000 miles away from God. West Memphis. Uh, they hey, moved. but the love's still there. <laughs> get it? So, hey Anyway. They moved there in June of 92, uh, where their biological father was. Driver contacted juvenile authorities in Aloha immediately, just asking them to supervise Damien as a courtesy as long as he was on probation. Get off my nuts. I'm so far away from you. Yeah. Driver told the authorities in Oregon a whole lot of rumors and inflated ideas about Damien and even his parents being involved in Satanism. Can once wow. again, someone else that won't shut the fuck up. Yeah. Um, Damien's parents called the police within two months of moving to Aloha, saying that they worried he would hurt himself or them. Officers took him into custody and then put him in a hospital. And then they put him in a psych ward on a suicide watch. Uh, two days later, they decided he wasn't a threat to himself or anybody again. They He missed his girlfriend and his best friend, Jason Baldwin. He was going to turn 18 in December of 92, and he wanted to move back to Arkansas. The doctor was like, eh, he's turning 18 in three months. Makes sense for him if he wants to to, you know, be emancipated and return on back to Arkansas. The hospital notified Oregon juvenile officials who notified driver. Driver was pissed and said that this was a violation of his probation. It wasn't. Why are you so... Do you not have any other work to do? Yeah, I'm, I would I, I would be very interested to know. There's got to be something, man. Like, I, I, why would this dude have such a fucking, like, have it out for right? this kid? Did you ever, did you ever know yeah. somebody in high school who, like, the teachers all thought Absolute was more fucking, of a troublemaker than they actually were? Absolutely. That's what this feels people. like. Yeah, that it was just like, oh, 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 there was something going going on bad. Must it was him. definitely him. Yeah. Or, and if it wasn't him, it was him yep. or him. One of his cronies. Like, yeah. Yeah. No, dude. I, yeah. Hell, my brother was. <laughs> right? My brother got compared <laughs> to Hitler in uh, fucking oh, middle holy school. Shit. The, the literal principal took him into the office and he was like, you're a leader. He's like, but you're a bad leader. You know, like Hitler or whatever. <laughs> As an eighth grader. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. Yeah, it was weird. Jessica came home. God. We got some. We got some laughs. Out of that I bet. <laughs> was, I would like, never let him forget that. He was like, "What the fuck's that even supposed to be?" Like, right? what? Like, I'm in eighth grade. I barely understand what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So as soon as Damien comes back to Arkansas, they fucking throw him in juvenile again. So no. Damien's mad because he did nothing wrong. Yeah. And he acts out. Yeah. He's always saying some weird shit. He's always talking. You know how high school edge lords are, right? Absolutely. Yeah, and yeah. he grabbed a guy's arm who was bleeding from a scrape and he licked the blood and he was like, oh, look at me. They threw him in another psych ward. God. He was released. He had two more months till his 18th birthday and driver told him that he had to report to driver's office at least weekly. He had to obey a curfew and he had to enroll at a local vocational school to get his GED. He did all this by his birthday. Driver fucking still had it out for him. Driver's juvenile. Yes. Damien what has is, turned 18. But that this is my thing. I 
I care more about fucking driver at this point because I, I want to know what the fuck is going on. I like, know what happened. Mm-hmm. That know. like he's just like what. Oh, I'm going to go a little bit more. Okay. Um, Damien told his therapist that the hospital told him he could be like your brother. He could be another Charles Manson or Ted Bundy. Mm-hmm. Why would you tell a kid this at the hospital? What the fuck? No. I believe him. I believe that they told him that, you know? I, absolutely. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm telling you a story that my right? brother was called fucking Hitler. You brought that so. up at the perfect moment. because that's <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, He also said he was harassed, being harassed by local authorities because they think I am a satanic leader. Yeah, man, you're really about to find out how much they think that. So Jason Baldwin, his other friend, said later that he was thought to be a Satanist for wearing concert shirts of bands like Ozzy Osbourne, Metallica, Mm. Guns N' Roses, and U2. Whoa. What so, you Bono? Dude, I know. Did you, you know? do you see my note? Are you reading along, Larry? Yeah, I'm or, looking at where right I now. just put you two and a bunch of question what marks. What comes to mind is there's one little song. One of these things is not like the other one. What the fuck? You two. like. I would even say that's like someone seeing like me wearing a Paramore shirt and being like, "Oh my god, Satanic!" Yeah, have you heard them? What yeah. on the radio? Like, what? absolutely <laughs> insane. Dude. So Damien and Jason stood out because they were different from the other kids in how they dressed. Jason was also different because he wore his hair long in a ponytail, and he oh. was indifferent to religion. <gasps> there in the south. <sighs> How mm, dare no. he have a pen? Especially in 1993. So when nope. Jason was 12, he was charged with breaking and entering and criminal mischief. He said there was this tin building that was missing a wall and had some rusted cars inside with a bunch of overgrown weeds. Um, kids would go and hang out there. The police report said that the boys, Jason and his brother who was 10 and two of their friends, broke the glass on some vintage cars that were there. Uh, he was ordered to pay restitution of like, four hundred and fifty dollars which when you are broke is yeah. so much yeah Absolutely. that's a lot yeah. when i was 12 450 dollars was insane anyway i mean it is now is, i was, I was now. gonna say guys is that a lot of money to me right now <laughs> <sighs> like, mm, no no <laughs> right, yeah, that's fair yeah that's fair that's fair <laughs> but despite, i couldn't even wrap my head around that at 12 no no, no. Yeah. um wait numbers go that high <laughs> Money numbers go that high. So he was ordered to pay restitution and place on probation. Jason said that other kids would say, we heard from the police that you and Damien have a cult. They're 12. Jeez, dude. Like, ugh. okay. So Don Bray is an at- a detective at the Marion Police Department. That's another city in the same county. Okay. Um, Don Bray had a suspect for a different investigation come into his office for an interview while the search was ongoing for the victim's bodies. You- you're going to like this. Victoria Hutchison was suspected of using a customer's credit card from the truck stop where she worked. There was like an extra $200 charge on it. Mm -hmm. So they called her in for questioning. She brought her eight-year-old son, Aaron Hutchison, in with her to the station. And she said Christopher and Michael were Aaron's two best friends. So like right now, the boys' bodies are still missing. Like they're still looking for the boys. Mm -hmm. And this kid's Mm -hmm. one of their best friends. And he used to go with them to Robin Hood Hills all the time. But Victoria didn't let him go that one day. Can you imagine feeling like you dodged oh, that? Oh, shit. So, Driver mm. wrote down eight names of teenagers in the area on a piece of paper that he gave to the other detective, Bray, saying that once this investigation's over, one or more of the kids listed on there is probably going to be charged with this murder. 
Damien's name, Jason's name, Damien's girlfriend at the time named Dominique Terre. We'll get to some of the other names in a minute. Bray carried this paper for months. Like he just carried it around with him. Yeah. And Driver kept writing this list for people. Two other dudes. Sudbury, who normally worked on drug cases, and this guy Jones, who's not even a cop. They team up. And on Friday, May 7th, less than 24 hours after the first of the bodies was found, the two questioned Damien on the steps of his parents' trailer, but made no notes of the interview. Imagine that. Well, that's the easiest way to fabricate shit. <laughs> You're also not even a cop. No. Why are you? Yeah. <sighs> um, at this point, his mom and his biological father had moved back now. Okay. It didn't clearly say what happened to the stepfather. I don't know where he went. Mm-hmm. And the stepfather had also adopted Damien. So, like, that's another case of the, I don't, I don't know. Now we're back to the biological dad. Who's the dad of this child? There's some complicated family (laughs) dynamics. So Driver gave Sudbury that same fucking list that he had written for Bray. Um, Two other officers drove to Marion to question Jason. When they got there, Damon and Dominie were there too. Damien was interviewed again. They were told they were not, they were not told that they were suspects. They were not read their Miranda rights. They were not told they could have a lawyer present and nobody's parents were there. No. That doesn't seem. Uh, I'm just gonna say. I'm gonna refer to it as uncouth. Now, <laughs> Damien was 18, but the other two were underage. Okay, but still, still, other two. You have to tell them they're a suspect. Like yes. So they asked Damien a bunch of stuff. Uh, one of those being, "Do you believe in God or the devil?" I'm sorry. What the fuck does this have to do with anything? Yeah. Excuse me. <laughs> Damien, being him, answered it honestly. Um, Damien was asking him to the police station the next day for more questioning, and he did. He mentioned... Well, so, uh, so and, and I'm literally yeah. asking questions here, yeah. so don't bite my head off. No, no, no. Um, I would think that that would be, in their eyes, a pertinent question, because they're trying to get to the bottom of, like, oh, could this be some kind of ritualistic thing? Yeah. Because that's what they're trying to fucking build it up as. Yeah. So it's just goofy, to, though. It is... No, it's it's beyond fucking goofy, dude. Yeah. It's ridiculous. But but yeah, I mean, like, I, I mean, you said that this was like carried out, like there was a lot of fucking whatever bullshit that went down. Yeah, no, no, there, this this entire thing is just like, yeah, it's it's like fucking uh, what is it, uh, Keystone Cops kind of shit? That it's just like, dude, it's they have no idea what the fuck's going no. on or how to actually have an investigation for a murder exactly and how it needs to be done yeah um so they asked damien to come to the police station the next day for more questioning and damien mentions to them that steve jones from the juvenile authority remember not a cop yeah this guy's not a cop Yeah. yeah he had been by to see him a day or two before and quote steve had told him about how the boy's testicles had been cut off and that someone had urinated in their mouths what are you doing what are you doing why are you telling damien this why are you telling what and why is damien telling the cops this yeah and why are you telling who you view as a suspect any kind of details about what's occurred right what the fuck are we doing why do you even have this info you're not yes Oh, wow, dude. So that detail was only supposed to be known to investigators. And here we are three days after the autopsies, and a teen who might also be a suspect is telling the West Memphis detectives that Jones told him this. 
So Damien was giving a po- given a polygraph, but the responses were not recorded. Like they didn't put the like paper in there to like record the responses. They just did it and then made a report. Why? So it's easy to manipulate. Uh, yeah, uh, that. So the report, would make it easy. the report says that he ceased to deny his involvement and thus had an admission through absence of denial. Excuse me? Durham decided that from the polygraph that Damien had been untruthful and that meant he was involved in the murders. And then hmm. Domini, the girlfriend, her 17-year-old cousin, L.G. Hollingsworth Jr., was found to be lying on his polygraph when he said he didn't know who had killed the boys. So when he was told his results, he said that he suspected Damien was the killer. Then but, Deanna, the ex-girlfriend, I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, I was, I was just going to ask. Uh, was it Deanna? Well, I was going to ask, yeah, I, fuck that I, name aren't, there. Uh, aren't poly, uh, polygraph tests inadmissible in court? Now. They are. Now. Yeah. So they yeah. weren't back then. I don't think they were back then. Yeah, okay. We'll so get to I, the court part of it, but okay. I, now they're hardly even used because yeah. like, they're just thought to be junk. Yeah. Because um, it's like, oh, I'm sorry. People get nervous when they're, they're being like, manipulated. Yeah. yeah, interrogated. Yeah, yes, that's a normal human, <laughs> you know. And then I don't know. <laughs> like, if- shit, dude, you could plug me up to a test and ask me where I took a shit yesterday, and I'd get nervous, you know. <laughs> you can, oh, I don't know. Maybe I just did it now. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. If, smart. I don't know if I fucked up my notes here. I put Deanna did the same thing, and I'm trying to think if I if. If that was Deanna and her cousin, or if it was Dominie and her cousin, mm. either way, it's a girlfriend or an ex-girlfriend. Gotcha. One of them, no, it was Deanna, because it wouldn't have made sense for Dominie to, to say it was Damien. Gotcha. So Deanna did the same. She was told her polygraph told that she was lying about not knowing who the killer was, and then she also said she believed it to be Damien. Like, what are we doing? Jeez. All right. Do we want to end it here for tonight, or do you want to hear about the third suspect real quick? Why don't you start uh, us with like a little teaser? How about, can is there any way you can do um, that? Because honestly, we are getting yeah, to. I can. I can go. I'll stop right there where I just put those slashes. You see that? Pretty short. A few more paragraphs. Okay. Okay. So here's the third guy. A week after the murders, Bray interviewed Vicky Husserson again. Bray asked if she knew anything about a cult or any devil worshippers. She didn't. A few days later, she called Bray to say she was going to play detective to find out more about this local cult that the kids in her neighborhood were talking about. Bray didn't say, do not do that. Like, go ahead. Go on. Play detective. What the fuck? God, dude. Her first person of interest was Jesse Miss Kelly Jr., who was 17 and who babysat her children often. You think your kid's babysitter mm. might be in a cult? Why mm. is he babysitting? <sighs> uh. She never said how she chose him to focus on, but it just so happened that his name was also on driver's list. Of course it was. Of course it was. Jesse was known for fighting. He said he didn't want people to think they could run over him because he was small. At age 17, he was barely five foot one and he was under a hundred pounds. Jeez. He's a little dude. He's He's tiny. tiny. Yeah. He's miniature. (laughs) Uh, he was considered slow and paced, placed in special education at age seven, getting a 67 on an IQ test. It yeah. was recommended that he be hospitalized for his severe behavioral problems at age seven. Again, broke. They, yes. they can't hospitalize him. Absolutely. He yeah. did go to a couple psychologist sessions. Yeah. At age 10, his IQ test was at 75. At age 11, he was only in third grade. He was considered dangerous. Again, this guy's tiny. Yeah. Well, I, but but time out. Hey, I know. Manson was tiny. 
fuck? <laughs> just saying. Don't bring me up, man. <laughs> hey, man. I'm just trying to get cool, dude. I got a big presence. It it really sounded like he he was. That's my best impression. Man. He was he was he was pretty severely abused at home and stuff. Like his dad would would just like tell that that he had been in a fight that he won. But, like, against five guys, and he didn't remember anything after the first punch. Like, yeah, he didn't come from a great home life. Yeah. So, um, by age 16, Jesse had made it to ninth grade, but his skills were barely at a fourth grade level. He dropped out of school at age 16. Jeez. Hmm. Um, we, will, uh, we will pick back up with him next week, because... Yeah, so that's where we're dropping. Uh, that's what we're gonna have to All drop. Right. But I will say <laughs> that he gets uh, he he gives a terrible, very obviously fake uh, uh, confession. Yeah, yeah. Like really, like we'll we'll get right okay. to that. And it's, dude, oh, well, can I just I I absolutely want to tell you you are doing a phenomenal job i am so much regurgitating the book like no no but 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 you're doing a good summation (laughs) let me put it that way if if that's what it is man it's a good summation and like uh i'm i'm having a fucking good time man (laughs) like this is very interesting to me and like absolutely just insane and see like, what i mean this is so like wild. why yeah. i was like we can't like yeah I, this isn't even all that i wanted to get to tonight no no literally and uh, i mean we probably have uh if i was a betting man easily I would another say 15 minutes or 20 minutes 15 or, or so 20 on there minutes, yeah. yeah yeah on this first one so it's just uh, so much we're, info, lo- we're looking at somewhere between probably three to five yeah uh, untethered but but don't worry <laughs> we'll do we, it we got it we got well i'm sorry allie's got, I got it, it. Allie's got it, and we will be here to fucking hear it and uh, ask questions. So, yeah, um, man, let us know what you guys thought about uh, this one, and um, if you like these deep dives, man. Honestly, I would absolutely. I hope you love... do. I hope y'all love them. Yeah, yeah. I'm, 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 if you're asking me, um, <laughs> but uh... <laughs> no, I'm I'm having a great good, yeah, good. dude. Um, but yeah, so uh, let us know what you guys thought about this. Tetherradio at gmail.com. Um, Allie's done a fucking phenomenal job with it. If you guys like the uh, a multi-part, like, uh, untethered kind of thing, then we can slowly put something together and then, I have a list you know, of stuff I want to do, do. Probably not this deep of a dive, but sure, I, have, sure. I have stuff. Yeah. 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 But, like, if, if this is, like, more of what, what people are wanting instead of, like, whatever, just little, like, whatever things that we do. Then, um, then yeah, let us know. Like I said, tetherradio at gmail.com. You can hit us up on uh, Twitter or whatever the fuck it's called now. Uh, and then <laughs> <laughs> we're on Instagram. We are on uh, Facebook. We got the uh, Tether Radio After Dark Facebook group. Um, we, you're listening to Untethered. Uh, obviously, we have the... Um, Newsletter uh, that goes out every week, tetherradio.substack.com. Sign up for it. It will not have any notes from Untethered, but it will have all the notes from uh, the full episodes on Mondays. Man, uh, check out the Tether merch store, uh, tinyurl.com slash tethermerch. Just go there. I Mm -hmm. dare you. Look around at what we got because we got plenty there. Stickers are up now, Ooh. by the way. Oh, awesome. Ooh. And Larry's got some stickers up. So. Servicey. 
One sticker. One sticker. Hold no, on. No, I'm one sorry. Sticker. We have hat, mug, and sticker. So, <laughs> yeah. um, no, you should buy a sticker, put it on your mug to wear with hat. So, yes. Um, yes. <laughs> so, I uh, hope you guys enjoyed this one. Thank you, Allie. Yeah. Um, and uh, thanks for entertaining me on it because I, this story lives in my head. No, dude, it's, it's, it, I'm, my mind or my memory is getting jogged by it and I'm, yeah. I'm remembering little things about it and just, how fucked yeah. the whole like yeah. thing was, man. Oh, like sure. it was, it yeah. was just a debacle. Man, this the 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 court case too is just it's wild. Yeah. There's so much more. Yeah. yeah. So uh, hope you guys uh, are at least intrigued by this so far, and I, I hope you come back to join us uh, next Wednesday uh, for the stunning second part. It will not be the conclusion. It will not be the so, conclusion, uh, but it's it'll be a hell of a lot two. more. Um. <laughs> You guys want to add anything before we uh, dip? I don't think so. All right. Well, uh, this has been uh, God, Untethered one 100 one Part 1. One. Absolutely. Right. Now that's a thousand. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm Daniel. I'm Allie. And I'm Larry. And we thank you guys for joining us a little over an hour. And, uh, no, no, all good, dude. It's, uh, it was very entertaining. I'm not complaining. Yeah, it was very entertaining. So, uh, hope you guys have a fantastic rest of your week. Have a phenomenal weekend and be sure to check out the full episode on Monday. Until then, take it easy, friendos. Bye. Bye.